It is midday here on this cloudy, overcast Thursday. It's the final day of September. Tyler Cavalli with you. Glad to be a part of your day. Great show so far. Again, thanks to John Dolliver of the NSAA talking about the shortage of officials. If you missed that interview throughout the show so far this morning, go to krvn.com to talk and hear more about that or to hear how you can join and become an official. Jason Jorgensen is in for sports. Busy upcoming next couple of days with a high school, college, pro sports. A lot of stuff obviously going on this time of year. Bob Brogan is in as well. He'll tell us how stocks are performing to end the month. And, of course, coming up in about 15 minutes, we'll catch up with Paul Perkins to tell us how long these cooler temperatures are going to last. But let's catch up with our own Susan Littlefield. Susan, how are you doing this morning, and how much rain did you get? Um, I don't really know. Just some thunder going on right now and drizzles here and there. Nothing to really write home about yet. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, looking at the radar right now, it doesn't look like you have much or much coming in the area in the future either. But you never know. Things uh, can switch up here in Nebraska. Yeah, I've been kind of disappointed. They kept talking about all this rain and nothing's really happened. Well, the Farnham area, I can tell you what, they got, they would be willing to share. They got over four inches, according to a couple of reports. So that's, oh, I uh, bet. that's plenty of rain in one area. So again, they'd be willing to share. But uh, what do you have coming us for uh, today on midday? Well, Dave's going to join us once again here at 1219. I was wondering if he had his elbow, elbow, wrist, wrist action going on, waiting like a beauty queen, because he's going to talk with Miss Nebraska 2021. Then coming up at 1245, we'll hear comments from Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. He was in Colorado yesterday as USDA announced an investment package on climate and agriculture, including a lot of money when it comes to African swine fever. And then I'll wrap up everything at 117 as we continue to hear about the Bessie Nursery at Halsey. Richard Gilbert is the manager of the nursery, and he talks about not only trees that are supplied, but some internship opportunities that are taking place for those kids interested in forestry. Mm, okay, so some good information coming up on a midday. We appreciate the time and have a good day. You too. All right, thank you very much. Let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen. What do you have for us? Uh, we're going to let you hear the thoughts of Athletic Director Trev Alberts last night as uh, it was brought up again. When are they bringing Frank Solich back for a thank you? We were all wrong. We appreciate what you did. Kind of a day at Memorial Stadium. Mm. And it was brought up last night on his uh, hour on Sports Night. We'll let you hear what Trev has to say. Trev wants him back, but Frank is in. Eh. Is that, was that brought up by a caller? It was or? brought up by a caller. Okay. But it's been brought up before. I mean, this is the first time sure, this sure. subject's but been approached. It would just be odd if you have Greg Sharp or yes. one of those guys with the university bringing that up. No, but a caller brought it in and they thought maybe by doing this, Nebraska football could exercise the demons <laughs> on the last 20 years and just clean, clean hey. the slate and start over because it's never been the same since Steve Peterson said, I don't want this program to drift into mediocrity. Well, uh, whatever it takes at this point, <laughs> yes. you know, whatever it takes. So we'll hear from Trev. All right. We look forward to it. Uh, Bob Brogan, how are stocks looking so far? Well, the uh, stocks are not looking real good right now. Everything is pretty much uh, down as far as the Dow, NASDAQ, and S&P. Um, earlier, uh, there was some rising taking place. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits has risen for the third straight week, and the Commerce Department says the U.S. economy expanded from April through June. Details mm. on those stories coming up. All right, a lot of great stuff coming up. Uh, thanks. 
It is time for Regional Ag Weather Update, brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. Paul Perkins is now joining us here in the studio. Cooler temperatures out there, but the the main story is obviously how much rain did people get, and it's depending where you were, you either got a lot, a little, or maybe nothing. Yeah, farther west you go, we did see some of the higher rainfall totals up to 3.8 inches in Halsey, 2.5 inches over southwest Nebraska towards the mm. Maywood area, and it looks like those rain chances, or those rain amounts gradually decreasing as you moved into central areas of Nebraska. And not so much as an inch of rain, but that's where we saw, of course, much of west central Nebraska to northwest Kansas, about an inch, two inches of rain. Hmm, pretty good amount. Uh, the most I've heard, uh, uh, Clay said a caller from Farnham reported over f- around four inches of rain. Wow. Yeah, That's a lot of rain. <laughs> uh, a couple of people from Gothenburg reported around two inches of rain in that area. Uh, Carney area, we, we received what? Right around... An inch, maybe total throughout the day. Yeah, and night? I would say probably a little less than an inch rain. Okay. It's giant, but so I know I had seventy hundreds in my gauge. So mm-hmm. yeah, okay, very good. Now I guess the question is, how long is this rain going to last? Uh, it's going to be gradually winding down. We have some areas of rain over north central Nebraska and also over northeast Kansas, kind of in between systems right now. But we will see another shot at some rain as we head towards tomorrow night. Oh, okay, all right. But for now, the temperatures <laughs> might need a light sweatshirt, jacket out there, a little cool. Yeah. Yeah, definitely on the cool side. Most of us right now with temperatures into the upper 50s from western into central areas of Nebraska and Kansas. As you head into the eastern part, that cooler air still hasn't quite arrived. It's as warm as 77 right now in the temperature in Omaha and also towards Nebraska City. That compares with 57 in the Tri-Cities at Grand Island and Kearney and 56 in the Hastings area. Right at 61 in York, 60 in Hebron, kind of the transition zone there from Highway 81 and points to the east. Otherwise, a little bit of light rain continuing to fall over north-central Nebraska. Most of that activity from about Ainsworth to Atkinson and O'Neill down to about Rose. That is moving off towards east. Also, some areas of very scattered light rain from Red Cloud in south-central Nebraska. Then towards about the Concordia area down to Abilene and to the south of I-70. We are seeing some breaks in the clouds over western areas of Nebraska on into western Kansas, basically along and west of a line from about the Bedford area to Lexington to around the Norton area and points to the west. A little more sunshine. Those skies are at least brighter. A little more uh, stronger cloud cover on into the east. Then we do have some clearing skies still from about Omaha on into the far northeast corner of Kansas. Some rain and thunderstorms do remain possible for today, especially across the central and east. A little bit closer to that cold front. Any rain amounts expected to be on the light side. Leftover clouds keeping those temperatures slightly cooler than average. In between systems tonight through tomorrow mainly dry a stray shower or thunderstorm can't be completely ruled out especially across the central and east a little less cloud cover for tomorrow allowing those temperatures to warm up back to near seasonal levels thunderstorms move up from the south tomorrow night and spread across the area during the day on saturday before moving out saturday night rain amounts of a half an inch to an inch are possible over northern kansas and southeast nebraska so once again the bulk of the rain southeast nebraska to northern kansas where we we could see a half an inch to an inch of rain, lighter amounts as you go farther north and west with that system tomorrow night into Saturday.
build a ridge of high pressure, resulting in some dry weather and seasonal temperatures for Sunday into Wednesday. In our long-term forecast, temperatures overall expected to be warmer than normal for Tuesday through October 13th for Nebraska and Kansas and much of the U.S., so a warming trend on the way by next week. Rainfall for Nebraska and Kansas below normal in the middle of next week before that forecast trends near normal for rainfall late next week through October 13th. Checking the regional drought monitor, Nebraska is steady at 15% drought-free. No dryness concerns continue to be found in a triangle-shaped area from Kearney to Cambridge, east to Red Cloud, and in much of the east. Most of Nebraska remains abnormally dry to a moderate drought. Severe drought still found from Hay Center to Binkelman and on over to McCook, and in much of the Panhandle, the driest locations north of O'Neill to about Boyd County, where there's severe to extreme drought. Kansas dropped 9 percentage points to 51% drought-free. Scattered areas of abnormal dryness continue to be found along with moderate drought in the northwest and right along the Kansas-Oklahoma border. Driest locations in the northwest Fort County area of Cheyenne, Rollins, Thomas, and Sherman's County. That's where we do have some severe drought. Keep one... Key weather factors affecting the markets include rain spreading from the plains into the Midwest and mostly favorable weather in South America. In the southern plains, scattered rain will continue through Saturday, a benefit for winter wheat planting and development but causing some delays to harvest. Dry weather returns to the southern plains by next week and temperatures should remain above normal. That may cause some heat stress to wheat missed by the week's rain. By this week's rain, for the Northern Plains, scattered rain will cause some harvest delays the next day or two. Dry weather returns with good harvest conditions this weekend into next week. Towards the Midwest, scattered rain the next several days will cause some delays to harvest, but adds to the soil moisture for winter wheat. Isolated rain may continue into next week. Midwest temperatures remaining above normal should favor harvest after the rain leaves. In Central and South Brazil, active weather of scattered rain promoting the soybean and full-season corn planting and favoring the reproduction to filling wheat. Argentina's rain on a scattered basis continues through the weekend with some areas being missed. The active weather in Argentina continuing to favor corn and soybean planting along with reproductive to filling wheat. So not much longer in terms of the rain lingering around, maybe off and on showers for the next 24 hours. Yeah, pretty overall pretty quiet over the next 24 hours. Uh, looks like a pretty good chance of some rain, especially as you go towards east and south for tomorrow night into Saturday. Mm. Looks like probably a lot of early Saturday could be fairly wet. Okay, sounds good. Good information to know. Uh, for more weather information and to find out how long these temperatures are going to last and the the rain as well, where can you find that? Weather page, krvn.com. Thank you, Paul. Waiting for you. Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm pleased to visit with Miss Nebraska, Morgan Holen. Morgan, first of all, tell me a little bit about your background. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me. I grew up in Omaha, but really all of my family is from the Bertrand area. And grew up in Omaha, grew up dancing since the age of three, and I've continued that. Danced through high school and actually danced at the University of Nebraska for four years on the Spirit Squad as well. So Mm. most comfortable on a stage or I suppose a, a field or stadium. Um, But that's taken me into competing for Miss Nebraska, as that's one of the portions of competition. Yes. Well, Holen is definitely a (laughs) Bertrand-type name, that's for sure. Yes. So uh, beyond college, uh, you've entered into the workforce, too. 
Yes, last year the Miss Nebraska competition was supposed to be held, but it was actually postponed for an entire year because of COVID. So I graduated from the University of Nebraska in 2020, and then I actually rolled right into the MBA program at Nebraska. So I'm still in school, but interned a little bit and then was given a little bit of a different job this June as Miss Nebraska. So Mm -hmm. now I spend every couple of days traveling to different cities and speaking to communities and organizations and schools, and I call it the dream job. (laughs) Yes. Well, what interested you about uh, doing the Miss Nebraska pageant? My mom was actually a Miss Nebraska, and so my sister and I grew up going to the Miss Nebraska competition every year, and it takes place in North Platte, and that was our favorite summer vacation, was getting to go to North Platte, and we really looked up to those women. They were articulate, intelligent, talented, and they were making a difference in their community, and we wanted to be just like them. So, of course, right when I was able to compete, I I wanted to do so, and I wanted to do the job well, so I waited until actually I was done with college first and then competed for the first time this past year and now I get to do that job and hopefully make even half the impact those women made on me. The Miss America pageant was off and on off and on but it is on now and it's going to be held on December 16th in Connecticut. Uh, I meant that is exciting to prepare for that. It is incredibly exciting. It's also the 100th anniversary of the Miss America competition. So there are all kinds of history and context and legacy that goes into the 100th year. And we get to invite back many forever Miss Americas and hear from them. And so it's been a very special year to get to serve and to get to reflect on all the women who have come before us who have paved the way to where we are today. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we used to know this as the platform, but uh, now it's called the Social Impact Initiative. So tell me, what is your Social Impact Initiative? Yes, well, every woman gets to select something she wants to advocate for during the year. And mine is called Strengths-Based Mentoring. Lead with your strengths, the power of strengths-based mentoring. So I work a lot with teammates, and I get to go across the state and recruit mentors and make sure that every child has someone who is a consistent adult in their life who believes in them. Mm Well, you've probably been in a few classrooms. Uh, Mm -hmm. I imagine the kids, as they are, are curious. So what kinds of questions do they ask of you? I always say the interview can be intense, but a kid's classroom is always where you find the most interesting questions. And they love to ask if you have a limousine, if you live in a mansion, if you have, if you ride a horse, all kinds of questions. The other day I was wearing my crown and sash and was asked if it was my birthday, which I of course enjoyed. It wasn't quite my birthday, but you never know what to expect. You always have to be on your toes, but I always leave with a little bit of a laugh because kids are so curious. And at the end of the day, they look up to you. So you get to be hopefully that role model for them. And thank you for stopping in. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio. It is time for Midday Sports. Sports Director Jason Jorgensen is joining us. Much awaited comments from Trev Alberts, if we missed it. And I did last night, so I'm excited for this. Yeah, former Nebraska coach Frank Solich, since he's retired now from coaching at Ohio, there continues to be a push to have him come back to Lincoln and be honored at a home game. Athletic Director Trev Alberts says he's even brought up the idea to the former coach. We would we would do about anything to have Frank back. Uh, we love Frank, and I think it would be uh, really cathartic for our fans to be able to to thank Frank and and uh, but the reality is is that that coach is a, is a private man and and uh, you know he just has never been somebody that uh, feels real comfortable 
you know, in that environment. Alberts made his comments last night on Sports Nightly on the Huskers radio network. Nebraska has struggled since Solich was fired in 2003 after posting a 58-19 record. The 77-year-old Solich was a Husker fullback in the mid-60s and then had a rich history in the local high school ranks, coaching at Omaha Holy Name and Lincoln Southeast before joining the Husker coaching staff. It would be cool if they did it, mm-hmm. but I understand why it's not happening. Well, and, and I think it's right if they want to extend that invitation. And if he, as he mentioned, is private and doesn't want that kind of recognition, then so be it. You can't force the guy to do it either, but uh, it wouldn't hurt to say, hey, it, come on over. It would be a good moment at the 50-yard line. Correct. If it happened. Oscar fans need that. Yeah, not. Nebraska baseball program received more recognition for its 2021 recruiting class this week. Nebraska's ranked 20th nationally by perfect game and 36 by collegiate baseball. Huskers are the only Big Ten program included in the top 25 of the perfect game list mm. as Coach Will Bolt continues to do a good job. Turning out to be a season to remember for the Arapaho football squad. The Warriors are 5-0 and heading into this week's game with Alma, Tristan White leads the Warriors with 14 touchdowns and 461 yards rushing. He also leads a team with 41 tackles. And head coach Destin Kronhamid says he's really stepped up. He's going to collect all the stats. You know, he's he's been outstanding. You know, he's kicking, punting, you know, playing quarterback. You know, one of his most underrated roles is kicking. You know, he he's had you know multiple touchbacks. You know, seven, eight touchbacks in every game. You know, that we're scoring points. So that's huge when we have the team start on their own 15. The Warriors will host Alma tomorrow night. I know you saw Tristan in the first week of the season. You were pretty impressed by him. Well, the impressed because of how much he grew as a quarterback from yet last year. I mean, he came in as a couple of guys got injured and it was just saying forced and saying, hey, we need you to be our guy. And, you know, he was okay last year, but this year, really embracing it. And that's why they're part of the reason why they're 5 and 0. In baseball, Royal star Salvador Perez hit his team record tying 48th home run in the first inning, then had to exit in the second with a sprained right ankle that he suffered going down the dugout steps. It was pretty cool. I was watching this last night. He homered on the first pitch that he saw. He hammered it to center field. Then within 20 minutes, he was out. So was he celebrating too much coming no, down the stairs? No, or what? Just, he just tripped. So I'm sure they're working on that ankle all day long. We'll see if he plays tonight, even if as a DH as he tries to break the record. Yeah, there's only a couple more games yeah. left. You know, we'll see. Also, uh, don't call me tonight uh, because uh, <laughs> I'll be watching this classic NFL matchup of Thursday night football. It's the Jacksonville Jaguars play the Bengals, who are actually two and one. They are not bad. I'm gonna let. I'm be honest with you. They they got a pretty decent group there. Plus, I have uh, you know just gambling odds. I have uh, Joe Burrow, <laughs> and he's doing okay. And Cincinnati to win tonight. I need them to win tonight. So I'm just putting that out there. Right. Otherwise, it may not come tomorrow. All right, thanks. <laughs> Top military officials testified on Capitol Hill this week with General McKenzie saying he recommended to President Biden that he keep at least 2,500 troops in Afghanistan before withdrawing completely. But the president overrode that suggestion. Nebraska Republican Senator Deb Fisher was at the hearing and condemned the president's withdrawal strategy. This is a wrong decision by this president, and instead of trying to gloss it over and, and make excuses and try to spin it at a press conference, you know, why can't we look at a way forward and make right decisions in the future? 
The Biden administration continues to receive criticism for the withdrawal pullout in which 13 U.S. service members were killed and around 100 Americans were left behind. The 79th Annual Harvest of Harmony Parade is slated for this Saturday in Grand Island with a theme of We Are All Superheroes, and it steps off at 8.15 a.m. Event coordinator Carissa Schmidt offers some history behind the parade. Harvest of Harmony started back in 1938, and it was originally under the name of Central Nebraska Music Festival, so not many people know that. It actually wasn't called Harvest of Harmony this whole time. First parade was started by Chamber of Commerce members, and they decided to organize an event to promote goodwill among area small towns. And that first parade had eight bands and 13 floats. It was an estimated 10,000 people watching from the streets of Grand Island. We had a little hiatus due to World War II, and then parade resumed under the name of Harvest of Harmony after the war. In 1996, Harvest of Harmony got a spot in the Guinness Book of World Records with the highest number of bands marching in a parade. The 1996 parade featured 130 bands with the hope of breaking the record again in the future. One lucky player who bought a Powerball Power Play ticket for the September 29th drawing is holding a ticket worth $150,000. The Nebraska Lottery has confirmed that one ticket sold for Wednesday's Powerball draw, matching four of the five winning white ball numbers and the Powerball number. The ticket was sold at a Casey's General Store in Junietta. The $1 power play option offers players a chance to play for enhanced non-jackpot prizes because the ticket was purchased with power play. The regular $50,000 prize was multiplied by the three times power play multiplier for a total prize of $150,000. Three Democratic members of Congress have offered deeply personal testimony about their own abortions as a congressional committee looks at how to respond to conservative states that are passing laws limiting abortion access. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schro. Creek Marketplace. The USDA has announced some investment packages on climate and agriculture yesterday during a trip to Colorado. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Those announcements coming from Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, including a $3 billion comprehensive set of investments to address challenges facing farmers and ranchers. Included in that is drought and climate. A combination of rising temperatures, heat waves, early snow melt, and low rainfall this year has brought record-breaking drought to folks across the West. How bad has it been? Well, the drought monitor shows that more than 40% of mainland U.S. has experienced some level of drought since September 2020. And more than 20% of our country has experienced extreme or exceptional drought since April. For the six states that make up the U.S. Southwest, for the months January 2020 through August of 2021, it has been exceptional. With the lowest total precipitation rate and the third highest daily average temperature rate recorded since records were started in 1885, which together have imposed on the West an unyielding, unprecedented, and unforgiving drought. Livestock producers in the West have borne the brunt of this drought, and sadly many are now faced with the possibility of having to liquidate their herds after spending a lifetime building them up because they simply cannot grow or cannot afford the feed to take care of their livestock. 
And as the Ag Secretary continued to talk in Colorado, he said it's not just weather that's been a big issue for the farmers and ranchers. It's been diseases and foreign animal diseases such as AFS. When African swine fever impacted the hog industry in Asia, we took notice. We recognized the risk but felt safe because, after all, an ocean separated our hog industry from this devastating disease. Today we now realize we're not immune. And our entire hog industry here in the U.S. is on alert because African swine fever is now in the Dominican Republic and in Haiti. So the Dominican and Haitian farmers need our help, which means that our farmers need our help. And from that, the Ag Secretary said the Commodity Credit Corporation is there to step in with assistance. You know, in the midst of another challenging time for American agriculture in the 1930s during the Dust Bowl, President Roosevelt and Congress created the Commodity Credit Corporation and provided it with resources. And it has become a powerful tool that allows the USDA to be nimble, aggressive, and prescriptive in confronting challenges faced then and now. Let me explain how we can use this tool to help with drought, storms, and African swine fever. An African swine fever outbreak in the United States would have a devastating impact on our economy, on our swine industry, and would cause billions of dollars in lost production and in trade. It would force many farmers into bankruptcy and cost thousands of jobs. It is critical uh, to keep this disease out of our country. But we have to act aggressively. To help the Dominican Republic and Haiti contain this disease so we can prevent this grave threat from reaching our shores. So today I'm directing my staff uh, to work with the Office of Management and Budget and the Treasury Department to transfer up to as much as $500 million of funds from the Commodity Credit Corporation to prevent the spread of African swine fever. Now we'll use these resources to support a robust expansion and coordination of monitoring, surveillance, prevention, quarantining, and other activities in the Dominican Republic and Haiti to help eliminate the risk, while also shoring up our efforts here in the U.S. to prevent the disease from getting to the mainland. And the Ag Secretary said they plan to tap into the CCC for other issues like disaster assistance. To help farmers repair store damage, reduce the high cost of feed, and pay down the high cost of transportation that many livestock producers are now incurring to haul feed and water to their operations. After all, the goal here is for producers to stay on the farm and not have to sell the farm. The pandemic and climate-related events exposed our overall food system as highly consolidated, fragile, and I think less resilient than we had thought. Major disruptions in supply chains have arisen from our ports and even into our school lunchrooms. American producers are frustrated by the fact that empty container ships are leaving our ports while agricultural products sit on the dock waiting to leave our shores. As you all know, exports are critical to the bottom line for our farmers, and any disruption can cause stress and concern. So those who rely on exports for their profit or their employment, they also need help. At the same time, many school districts across the United States are now being told 
that shortages exist in the food normally ordered for and provided for our school meals. Many contracts with long-term vendors are being canceled. That's Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Stocks have moved broadly lower on Wall Street as the major indexes head for steep monthly losses. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. The S&P 500 fell eight-tenths of a percent and is on track for a 4.4% loss in September. It would mark the first monthly loss since January and the worst for the benchmark index since March 2020. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 1.3% and the Nasdaq fell two-tenths of a percent. Banks and a mix of companies that provide consumer goods and services posted some of the biggest losses. Bond yields edged lower. The yield on the 10-year Treasury fell to 1.51%. The number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits has risen for the third straight week, a sign that the highly contagious Delta variant may be slowing the job market's recovery. The Labor Department says claims were up by 11,000 last week to 362,000. Since topping 900,000 in early January, applications have mostly fallen steadily as the economy bounces back from last year's shutdowns. The Commerce Department says the U.S. economy expanded at a 6.7% annual rate from April through June. That's a slight upgrade of its previous estimate of last quarter's growth. The estimate of growth in the second quarter, its last of three, is up from its earlier estimate of a 6.6% annual pace. With President Joe Biden's government overhaul agenda at stake, Democrats are charging headlong into trouble. Today's promised vote on the first piece, a slimmer $1 trillion public works bill, is faltering amid stalled talks on his more ambitious package. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm... Have you ordered your trees to the NRD lately? Well, you still got some time. But the question is, where do those trees come from? Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I found the answer to that question during this week's NRD meeting that took place in Kearney. I talked with the manager of the Bessie Nursery in Halsey, Nebraska. That happens to be Richard Gilbert, as he talked about supplying the trees. Uh, yes, uh, we supply um, the vast majority of the seedlings to the natural resource districts here in Nebraska. Um, uh, this year, we shipped out right at about, I think, 570,000 seedlings um, just to the, the NRDs here in Nebraska. Um, we also ship to Kansas, uh, South Dakota. Sometimes we'll go to North Dakota, uh, Colorado, and Wyoming. And then um, our container side of the operation, that's pretty much um, uh, all U.S. Forest Service seedlings going out to Colorado, Wyoming, uh, South Dakota, Nebraska. Uh, and we haven't shipped much to Kansas in quite a few years. They used to get willows from us, but they haven't for a while. Uh, but all those seedlings are going to burn areas. Um, everyone knows there's been a lot more fires going on 
and uh, in the, the the fires that are happening are burning hotter and they're they're scorching the earth in some of these areas and in those areas where nothing comes back um, the US Forest Service is going back in and trying to get stuff planted uh, so uh, then the nursery we play a key role in that um, so much so we've um, are actually adding more greenhouse space so we can produce more container seedlings um, and in some of the other surrounding states are asking us to produce more and more seedlings for them uh, over the years a lot of state nurseries have closed um, so we are starting to fill some of those gaps and helping people replant in areas um, which is a wonderful thing I want to ask because you guys are continuing to grow do you, do you see a need in the state when it comes to education of having folks have a role like what you have if if we've got kids that are thinking about college and man they really like trees and like forestry yes it really would um i'm always looking for students um we can actually bring uh individuals on through the youth conservation corp uh and i typically bring on um two to three people students every single year uh and then we're co-located with the bessie ranger district and they usually bring on two students all also, uh, so it's a great opportunity to get folks out uh, and and start training them while they're young, and especially if they have an interest in in um, seedling or trees and shrubs, uh, and just plant production in general. Um, we're farming just like any other farmer; it's just a different crop. That's all it is. Uh, so, and it's. It's continually train, uh, changing, uh, and we have to adapt to, to what's going on throughout the year. With the greenhouses, we're open year-round. Production never really stops. Um, we uh, we process all sorts of seed every single year, too. So all of the Region 2 uh, forests are sending us uh, bags, bushel bags of cones for us to process every single fall. And then we store that seed in our seed bank. Uh, we've got right at about 15,000 pounds of seed in there. And that's what is, those genetics right there is what are protecting our region to forests. So if they, they have such a bad fire, it wipes out all those genetics. We've got backup inside our seed bank right there at uh, uh, near Halsey, Nebraska, at the Nebraska National Forest Bessie Nursery. That's Richard Gilbert, and I'm Susan Littlefield on the program. Play Patton on the World Radio Network. Let's talk to the closing grain markets with John Payne of Stone X, publisher of the Daily Newsletter this week in grain. John coming in, corn making a little bit of a recovery, soybean though kind of hovering towards its lows of the day. With that, the big surprise coming out in the quarterly stocks report, what do you make of USDA revising production numbers from last year this far into the new current growing season? Well, the way somehow they're extrapolating yield and seeing yield increases here um, with the harvested acres at 82, 2.6. I'm just reading through something as I'm talking to you. So the story in beans really, and this isn't the narrative, this is just a narrative, but you have essentially a one market of the bean complex that's holding things higher and that's oil. So oil is in huge demand. Soybean oil, I mean, we need so much more oil if we're going to run biodiesel programs and all sorts of different things with the, uh, uh, you know, Green New Deal and, and, and potentially, you know, shift over to soy biodiesel. The problem with that is you can't just create diesel without creating meal. And so the crush margins, when they create a lot of oil, they're left over with a lot of meal. And that meal isn't moving. So you have meal essentially trading 320 a metric ton, 330 a metric ton. I mean, that's maybe $50 a metric ton over corn. 
So at some point here, you need to see the meal side and the demand for meal pick up, and that comes with exports. So we need to have something happen here in the near term that'll that'll help meal demand. Now I think you will, but a shrinking hog herd doesn't help. Um, so that's where exports come in. But I think that the the, the oil story is so strong that you're going to see continued crush, and it almost exacerbates the problem. Over in the wheat trade, now the wheat did get positive data out as was stocks came in below analyst estimates, but right now we're seeing plentiful moisture out across much of the southern plains in the hard red winter wheat belt. Uh, seedings are going well as well. The price very attractive to farmers maybe to try and increase some acres. Overall, can wheat continue this rally or is this one we quickly overprice ourselves if we're still negative in corn and beans? So the old crop, I think it certainly depends on what corn does here, but I like the way we closed in corn. I'll say that. You, you trade down... You know, we're right where we were. We're now four from this morning. So, you know, it traded up into the report, but right back to where it started. And I think we're more sideways there. So on the new crop wheat side, I would use old crop prices that are as resistance. So, for example, we in the spring of this year on the old crop 2020 markets rallied up to uh, 740. We're 728 on new crop July. If you get up to 740 there, I think you look to take a little off the table, especially if you're putting it in the ground in Kansas or an area south of there that's looking at moisture or irrigation. That is John Payne with StoneX. You can learn more at StoneX.com. Do remember, though, trading future options involved risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Consider these risks before investing. Thank you very much, Clay. That'll wrap up midday here on this Thursday. Be sure to check out the Midday Podcast. It'll be available later today online at krvn.com.